Thanks for joining us for The Refuge. Whether you miss service, you're getting a recap, or just stumbled upon us, we pray that you are blessed by this podcast. Enjoy. James warns the rich, you know, the ones who are oppressing the poor, and warns them that judgment is coming, he he switches his attention now to the actual victims and says, look, because the Lord is coming, just be patient, just hold on. And, And remember who James is writing to. These are the people who have lost their homes, they were scattered abroad, and now a lot of the places where they're going, because of their faith in Jesus, they were being persecuted. And James starts off this section to them saying with with two words that are so hard for us today, be patient. He's telling these people, look, I know you're being mistreated. I know these things are happening to you. But he says in verse seven, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He's telling them, look, we should have this anticipation. Just just like a farmer knows, I gotta gotta wait this out, I gotta wait this out, but there's an expectancy. He says, in the same way, and we're terrible at this. You know, we, we want everything right now. Those of you that are going through a difficult time, you want everything to change right now. And we all do. We want the suffering to end. But James says, no, think about the farmer. He knows he's got to wait it out. This can't happen right now. And he says, just be patient. The Lord is coming. It is happening. I don't know what struggles you're going through in life right now, but the Bible says, hold on everything's going to be made right just like the wicked will see their day those who are faithful and holding on and who are established in the lord they will receive a reward then in verse 9 he says do not grumble against one another brothers so that you may not be judged behold the judge is standing at the door it's interesting here because he's not talking about them getting angry at their oppressors But now he's saying, don't grumble with one another because the judge, God himself, is watching you also. It's this idea, you know how when life gets frustrating and and maybe you're in a tough situation, you're being oppressed or persecuted in some way, it, it, it almost causes us to become irritable at one another. And that's the picture here is us as family, as brothers and sisters, that we don't have this annoyance or irritation with each other to be reminded, you know what, God wants unity and he's watching and the judge is right there. And then he continues in in verse 10 and he says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Then James encourages us to really take a look at the lives of the prophets. I mean, seriously consider their example. We're talking about people who 
preached the Word of God, even though they were persecuted, most of them were martyred for what they taught. And James says, think about their example. And, and he says how we consider them blessed. I, I, I mean, for the last two, 3,000 years, they've been in this state of just absolute joy before the Lord. Like seriously think about the few years that they spent on the life suffering and being patient and waiting for, for the reward that they knew would come. Man, those need to be our examples today. Then he, then he closes off this section in, in kind of a strange way because he says, above all my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. It's kind of strange that he would say, above all, don't swear. Almost seems like it doesn't fit, but it's going along with this theme of this irritation of all the things that are going on in the world, all the persecution that's happening, and, and maybe because they weren't believed, they would say statements like, I swear to God, you know, just to get their voice heard. And, and when they would swear, it was this idea of swearing to someone who was beyond them, but it was the, the idea that God, if I'm lying right now, may God curse me. And what James is saying is like, hey, don't say things like that, okay? because you don't want to fall under the condemnation of God. God actually hears those things, just like he sees everything that's going on in the world. Man, just talk, just let your yes be yes, let your no be no, but don't say things like, I swear to God. Don't call down the curses of God. There is a God up there who hears everything that's going on. It's just this picture to the people who are being persecuted and, and I, we all know that our world right now is changing. It's changing fast. A lot of us grew up in a time here in this country where these commands were kind of taken for granted. Now we live in a time where, man, the things that this book teaches, man, they're ridiculed. And there will be people who persecute us because of the teachings in this book. And what James is saying to us is we can't let all of the pressure and even future persecution cause us to get angry with one another, cause us to get frustrated. But instead he says, just hold on, hold on. To, to, to be like that farmer who's waiting, waiting. It's going to happen. Have an expectancy. Christ is gonna return. The Bible tells us be patient even unto death and we'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to all those who have loved him. So even now, I don't know what you're going through in life, but take the words of James and be patient and hold on. It's because of this hope that we have, because we know what's coming, that we should be able to endure any type of suffering just like this, just like all of the prophets did. And just like it was worth it for them, it will be worth it for us. So stand firm and be patient. So, 
So I was asking the group, what does it take to be patient? If you're looking at at that at, at verse seven of um of a what do you call it? What is it? Uh, of chapter five. Just so I can see what you guys can see. Alright, so so what do you guys got? Practice. Determination. <laughs> determination. We said determination. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I think it takes trust. Oh, trust. trust. Oh. Good model. Good model. Good model. Good model. Good model. Good model. I'm just going to write the piece down. Yes. All right. So Autumn said trust. Trust, joy, self-control, hope. Hope. Oh, yes. And you, uh, you read your Bible, bro. <laughs> <laughs> self. I mean, trust, joy. Self. <laughs> Does not take self. <laughs> trust, joy. <laughs> self-control. Faith. Yeah, because it's like, notice, notice in that verse, he says, he says, be patient as you wait for the coming of the Lord. Like, that's what we're waiting for. That's at the end, like, like, yeah, that's the, that's the, the end game. That's what's on the other side of this. That's what. All right, so this is the list so far, in case you guys didn't. It's trust, joy. Self-control, hope, faith, vision, expectation. What else? If you guys have anything, oh wait, let me make sure that I have this audio correct. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Wait a second. I'll put test test. Okay, all right, all right. I hope you guys want to say anything because then we totally were not be able to hear you. But can but all right, you should be good now. Oh wait a second, my goodness. Okay, we'd definitely be able to hear you guys talking. So anyway, yes, again, we have trust, joy, self-control, hope, faith, vision, expectation. What else? I don't know if it's dumb, but I think it takes a promise. A promise? I think this is all like right there. All of this is one. Justin said humility. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That was what I meant first. <laughs> <laughs> I thought nah, something better. 
humility, a promise. Can anybody, can anybody just go to Galatians chapter 5? Maybe, I don't know. Galatians chapter 5, verse 21. I'm testing my pastorship right now. Is it verse 21? Put it on the line. Put it on the line. What does it say? It's wrong. 22 says, but the fruit of Okay, all right, 22. 22, all right. So somebody read Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, until they're done reading that list. A lot of our list is that list, the fruit of the fruit of the spirit. Although one of the one of the fruit of the spirit is patience itself. But when we're talking about patience, the first thing that I thought of is the first thing on the list that we got, which was trust. Who what why why can can you expound on that, Autumn? Why why trust? Yes, if, if, you, if you're not if you're not if, if you're not able to trust God while trying to be patient, you're you're probably not going to endure in your patience. Oh, that's good. I'm convicted. You, <laughs> you're probably not going to endure in your patience, right? Because it's a lot easier for me to if someone's telling me, "Hey, hey, listen, look, I got you." Bro, I know, I know you're waiting for the $50, right? I know, and I was supposed to give it to you, but listen, I got you. It's a lot easier for me to be patient with somebody that I trust and know concerning that situation versus somebody that I do not trust and know, right? So although it's, we're not talking about money, we're talking about like real life situations where people are suffering, where people are suffering, um, it's to be able to say that you trust. So, okay, let me just take that a little bit deeper. What does it mean to trust God? What does that mean? When I say just trust in the Lord, what am I saying? Have a relationship. Have a relationship. Know that He has your back. Know that He has your back. You said to believe, to believe in Him. To believe what he says is true, even though when people say you're foolish in believing those things. You got something, Alex? <laughs> Loki, I was thinking about uh, like trust fall. Trust fall. <laughs> okay. But, but but you feel like, you know, like in a trust fall, you're like helpless or you know, yeah, like dependent. Talking about trust fall. I'm just letting you know that he's talking about a trust fall right now. Trust fall. Yeah. Can we get a demonstration? Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Alright. So trusting in God. Should, we should do a six foot social distance trust fall. <laughs> 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 
No. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So trusting in God, I will put it like this. To know God is to trust God. Lack of trust in God is lack of knowledge of who God is. Right? Because, again, I can tell you how great of a person Alex is. And you can trust him. Alex is going to show up. You're waiting, but Alex is going to show up. If Alex is not there yet, there has to be a good reason. There has to be a good reason. But Alex is going to show up. Right? I can say that with confidence because I know Alex. But, but, someone who doesn't know Alex, they'll have a hard time trusting that Alex is going to show up on time. And even more, more so, have a hard time believing that there is a good reason why Alex hasn't shown up yet. So this is the thing with patience in persecution or patience in suffering. Maybe you feel like God hasn't shown up. God, you're supposed to be here. I'm in pain right now. God, you're supposed to be here. This is very difficult for me right now. Where are you? Why aren't you relieving the pain? Why aren't you taking away the suffering from me? God, what are you doing, right? So it's easy to point to God and be angry at God when we don't know or, or when we can't trust that God actually knows what he's doing in our lives, right? So to know God is to trust God. Our trust of God deepens as our relationship with God deepens. And that's, you know, that's just... That's just what it is. As we're getting to know each other, right? The, the, the more that you all know each other, the more that we get to know each other. God, uh, I mean, not God, none of you God. We get, to, uh, we get to trust each other more. But this is, with human relationships, what sometimes happens is the more that we get to know each other, the more we realize, oh, I can't trust you. Oh, you, you're not gonna give me the 50 bucks. <laughs> you were late because you went for coffee before you came and I needed you, right? Whatever, I don't know, whatever, whatever the situation. But with God, and this is why, like for example, during worship, we were singing holy, 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 holy. In the scripture, it talks about angels singing that in heaven to God. Because, again, why are we singing holy? Okay, great, angels sing it in heaven. But another thing, too, is when we call God holy, we are saying that he is perfect. And when we are saying that he is perfect, that means that everything that he allows in our life, the good, the bad, the ugly, he is working it out for good, like it says in Romans 8.28. We should just have that somewhere over here. That should be like our, like our slogan because that's, we, I feel like every week we are mentioning that. That God works out. Um, all things for the good of those who love him have been called according to, to, his, to his purpose. Now, all of us are in process. I don't expect anybody to leave here tonight and be like, I perfectly trust God. And that's just not, that's just not what it is. What I also don't want, I mean, what, what, I, what, I, what, I, what I don't want to convey is to those who are in difficult situations is, hey, just, you're gonna be fine, God is, God is with you, right? 
like just to have a blanket generic statement like that. We are not dealing with a God who does not know what suffering is. Jesus himself suffered, suffered. He knows what suffering is, and, but he also knows what suffering produces in us. And that's why earlier in James, it says to person, it's, 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 in the, it's in chapter one, it's in chapter one. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must, must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So as we're facing these trials, as we're suffering, God is developing perseverance in us. As perseverance is being developed in us, we are becoming somebody who learns to not lack anything because we are so dependent on God. And then we take other scriptures where it says, in my weakness, you are strong. Right? So trusting in God, believing in God, knowing that God is good on what he says. But how do we know that God is good on what he says? Right? How do we know that? Maybe we haven't seen God move miraculously yet in our life. Like, like maybe we haven't seen God move in a crazy way where he healed somebody I know from cancer, where, where I had a $20,000 bill and then it's not there anymore. It just disappeared. Somebody, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. Where God saved my life miraculously from a rip current in the beach. I don't know, whatever. Maybe we haven't had something like that. And I want to say two things about that. One, God is working in the little things in your life. And if you open your eyes and open your heart to those things, you will see God moving in those little areas of your life. That's one. Two, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews is just the book right before James. Hebrews chapter 11. And we're just going to read through it. If anybody has any doubts of God being faithful and responding to our faith, or any doubts about um, bad situation turning into good ones, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Here it says, it defines what faith is for us. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, talking about the forefathers, talking about the old prophets, talking about... And James makes mention of these guys, saying, look, if, if you're having a hard time being patient in this suffering right now, look at the old prophets. We're going to look at a whole list of the old prophets. Ready? By faith we understand, verse, verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith... Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life 
so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, talking about Jesus. All the prophets were saying, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, a Messiah is coming to save you. And here, he says, they did not receive those things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So then we come back to this list, a vision, a promise, uh, an, an expectation. God, you have, we were just talking about this earlier. God, Jesus, you are preparing a place for us. You are preparing a place for us. Jesus, you are coming back for me. And then in other parts of the scripture, it says, it says that the current suffering that we are experiencing right now does not even compare to the glory that we will experience. It doesn't compare. So we hold on. So let me continue in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. But by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each, each, each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of, of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead for, to, to his reward. Again, looking ahead to the promise, looking ahead um, with vision and expectation. By faith, he left Egypt, 
not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell to, to tell about uh, Gideon, Brock, Samson, uh, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle, and routed, for, uh, and, oh, and routed foreign armies, Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, talking about Jesus. Jesus hadn't come yet. They did this all for the coming Messiah to come, but they didn't they didn't receive Jesus. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And let's just look at chapter 12. Therefore, this is why this therefore is so important there. Because if you just start at chapter 12, if you just start at chapter 12, the therefore doesn't carry much weight. But when you read through the entire chapter 11 that we're reading right here, um, the author of Hebrew, Hebrews just, just laid out the entire Old Testament. He laid it out from beginning to end. He laid it out saying, look at what God did for each and every one of these people. And then he says, therefore, since we, us, are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, talking about all these people in chapter 11, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the, mace, the race marked out for us. Again, looking to the promise, like each and every one of these people did. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary in heart. I know I'm talking a lot. I know I'm talking a lot, especially for this kind of setup. Usually, you know, we have a lot of back and forth. But I want you to be encouraged. James is telling us to persevere. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us examples of how we can trust God because he was faithful to those people. These people that were flogged, these people that were in prison, these people that were walking around in deserts, these people that were being left for dead, these people that suffered because they decided, these prophets decided that they were going to be obedient to God and tell the truth and be prophets and say the word of God to people and they suffered for it. 
Some people choosing to be in prison, some people choosing to suffer for the sake of, of, of God and for the sake of the Messiah. God did not leave them empty-handed. God did not let them die in vain. God did not let them suffer in vain. And because we know that God is good in these, these circumstances that are hard and that are just full of suffering and where we feel weak, God is faithful to us. And we see it in Scripture. So be encouraged who's ever in this room who's ever listening to the podcast watching online be encouraged in knowing that the same God that we just read about in Hebrews chapter 11 which was basically a summary of the entire Old Testament is the same God who walks with you and lives inside of you the same Holy Spirit that was placed on these prophets is inside of you your suffering is not in vain. God is with you. And again, if we just tie this back to my sermon on Sunday, he made a way for us to enter into that secret place. There is no separation. There is no separation. There is no separation. And tying it back to this song, I just want to be where you are. God is always with us, yes, but do you want to be where, where, where God is? And sometimes God leads us, man, you look at John, right after Jesus got baptized, it says, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. God will lead you and guide you, and sometimes it's going to be through, bu through, through bushes with thorns and just muddy areas. Sometimes it's going to be great. Sometimes you're going to be on the mountaintop, right? But we're not called to live on the mountaintop. Most of the time we're going to be down in the valley with everybody else where we can share our mountaintop experience and give hope and peace to everybody else around us. So, so I say that to say this. God is producing something good in you that only can be done through the suffering that you are experiencing. And you can't see it now. And maybe you can't see it now. But you can trust that God is good and he's doing something. Trust that God is good and he's doing something. And just hold on. Because Jesus is coming back and all of this is going to make sense. And this is such a... Uh, it's just, I don't even know how to say it. It's just it's such a, just such a, just a, in time. I don't know how to say that. Just, just vapor, just, oh, whatever in time. This compared to eternity, man, there is no comparison. There is no comparison. I think that's it, guys. Do you have, do you have, do you have anything to share or add? Um, any any one of you guys. Go ahead. From what you were saying, like from what I've you know, known in the past, like God's way is not easy, you know. Like he not that he wants us to suffer. Yep. But I feel like the more we suffer, the more it shows we trust him. Wow. 
God's yeah, Jeremiah is saying that God's way is not easy. And he feels like the more that we suffer, like God doesn't want us to suffer, but the more that we suffer, the more that we suffer, the more that the more that we learn to depend on him, is that yeah, well, the more yeah. that it shows that we trust him. The more that it shows that we trust him. Yeah. Because his ways are anti earth and earth is all about comfort. Yep. Peace. Yeah. was talking I just want to add this you know one of the questions is how can a good God allow allow suffering in the world right if he's so good then how can he allow suffering and one of the like like one of the found and I was talking about this with the youth one of the foundational things that 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 is needed or thoughts that is needed to answer that question is understanding that suffering and good can exist in the same space right so let me just ask you, what, what, what are some examples that you can think of where suffering produces good? Producing good, there's working out. Yep. Anybody else have an idea? School. School? Yes. Having a baby. Having a baby. That is probably the 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 most like real example that I can think of. And women understand this more. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw it with my own eyes. I tried to get away from it. And, but but obviously women who have had children understand this more that um, I'm not trying to speak for all women right now so please I'm just, I'm just weighing my yeah I know I'm just I'm just weighing my words here but what what I experienced what I experienced on my side of the that bed was that there were there was hours and hours of suffering not knowing when the end was going to be but knowing that the end was coming this hours and hours of suffering and as soon as soon as Amelia was out of my wife there was pure joy and ecstasy those hours and hours and hours of suffering we're forgotten like this because we're holding the promise at the end of the suffering right so is it knowing and why do we go through that suffering because we know we know we know what the end is right we know what the end is okay no absolutely not and I'm not making light of childbirth and I'm not making light of suffering but what I am saying is that 
imagine if you don't know what's happening at the end of, like during childbirth, you don't know that a child is coming. You're just in excruciating pain. We would do everything to be like, no, stop it, stop it, stop it, get it, stop it. I, whatever, I, I don't want the promise. I don't even know what it is. Whatever it is, I don't, I don't, I don't want it. But that's how our situations can feel like because we are in the middle of it and we don't know what God is producing. And these other examples, man, my biceps are gonna look so good, I'm gonna suffer right now, right? Man, I'm about to hold this baby. That's, that's why we're gonna suffer right now. But for most of our situations, we don't know what God is producing and it feels like forever. And it feels like forever because we don't know what it is that God is producing. But again, it comes to trusting God comes to knowing God, do you trust and believe that God only does good things or is he just some tyrant up in the sky who loves to see his children suffer? Or maybe even worse, that he doesn't care that we suffer. Or he knows that we are going to suffer and he makes good things out of the suffering. Jeremiah, Jeremiah just, just gave the example. You were going to say that? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, can you, can you read the verse? Can you read it? Can you read it? We're waiting. We're talking about good, um, suffering that turned into good. You can suffer all the time. So just a, a, a quick example. What about all the starvation that goes on in Africa? That they go hungry. They don't have all their necessities. There's no good coming out of their suffering. Unless we, I mean, we don't see it, but. What, what about that? Those kids are happy, though. If you ever see them, they're, like, full of joy. I know, but do you, do you know what I'm trying to say, though? Like, sometimes there is suffering that doesn't happen and result as a good. Oh, I see what you're saying. I would argue this. Well, go, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Kathy, I want to give you the floor. I want to give you the floor. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, well, I'm thinking one of the reasons um, could be, like, you know how sometimes, I, what you said earlier, sometimes people ask the question, why has God allowed, like, bad things to happen? And I think that, at the same time, there's cases like that where it also shows humanity the consequences of our sin. And sometimes bad things even happen to good people or children, right, who don't deserve it. You know what I'm saying? I think that's one of the reasons. I think, uh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, we live in a fallen world. And basically all the bad things that are happening in this world are the consequences of the, of the fall. You know, you, you think even down to like uh, poison ivy. Yeah. There was no poison ivy in, uh, in the garden. But that, that was a negative effect of the fall. And unfortunately, you know, there, there are circumstances like that that, that happen. But it's like, like Kathy said, we, we, what it should do is help us to reflect and be like, you know, this is horrible, but this is a result of man's sin. Shows that we need Jesus. Yeah. Like humanity needs Christ. What's the point? What the, there's, Go ahead. There's, uh, something I thought of, it's completely hypothetical. Yeah. But you know how the God built the world, set it in motion. Mm -hmm. He alters it, but he doesn't really alter it. You know, he kind of gives us free will. Mm -hmm. So you say, 
if God wanted us to be able to talk to him, God, he could have just Philip Whipper talked to him, why he has to kill his son and have death and the dead, you know. But I feel like when he set the earth in motion, that's what it is, you know. So he had a, like, a, if you think of it as like a computer program, Jesus is almost like a code, you know. Yeah. Almost like a, like a code, you know, a program. Yeah. I was able to enter the world and alter it from within, but God couldn't do it from the outside, that essence. Yeah. You know? So I feel like the bad things that happen is that's us, you know, because we're all born into sin. We're all naturally, our flesh is sinful. So, like, the world is the devil's playground, you know, like, the safeguard. Like, sin rules the world, yeah. unfortunately. You know, but that's where we're supposed to be salt, and that's why we get persecuted. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. it's like Jesus and the prophets. Almost like what we read in James 8. Yep. That, uh, you know, protect your hearts or because the kingdom of God is at hand. Yep. You almost think of it like, obviously at hand, I mean, he's close, but it could be like a game. Like yep. he's making his move, so to speak. Like yep. Jesus was God's move, you know. So it's like, pick a side. Yep. Because only, you know, one or the other, you can't ride the fence. Yeah. That's good. The, a short answer. There's suffering like that because of sin. Because of sin. What is the solution and how does God solve these? These kinds of issues, especially poverty, that's where we step in. Because it's easy, and I'm not saying that you're doing this, Vanessa, but it's easy for us to be like, God, are you going to do anything about these hungry kids? And God's like, "Uh, you have a salary of however much a year. What are you doing with the money that I'm giving you? You, you? you know, and again, I'm not saying that that's what you're saying. But it's easy to be like, God, why don't you fix this problem? And God's like, I am sending you to fix that problem. That's why you see that problem. Or like yeah. when a young kid dies. Yeah. It has no reason. They didn't do anything. They didn't sin. But why? You know, like, but it says yes. they go straight to heaven. In the Bible, I read that. So that's the their children. good part. They're going to heaven. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so this is the thing, too, like. Like, here on earth, we see death. Okay, I'm not... I gotta... I yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, so, there. Um, I mean, everybody pretty much knows that my son Xavier was killed when he was seven by his grandmother. Um, now, he died as a direct result of her free will choice. His life, she did not have the authority to take his life, but she did. You know, and like, uh, I guess what I felt the Holy Spirit telling telling me through that time, because, you know, the enemy wanted to, to tell me that there was something that I did wrong, or there was, uh, like, how could you trust in a God like that? But the Holy Spirit, like, he didn't allow my mind or my heart to go there. And what I thought about a lot was that um, I don't know if Xavier would have grown up to be in an intimate relationship with Jesus. He might not have. And it very well could have been God's mercy in advance by allowing. Now, he did not, God didn't in no way, shape, or form kill Xavier but he allowed it to happen. You know, and as like, as painful as it is to continue to go through something like that, you know, I continue to trust God that he is still good and that 
he is with Jesus now, and he can never be killed again, he can never be hurt again, he's never going to shed another tear, he is safe with Jesus, and as a Christian, you know, like, I have that hope of seeing him again, you know, and I know that I will see him again, and there's nothing that the devil can ever do to take that from him or from me. decisions like that happen because somebody chooses to abuse their free will choice. And unfortunately it severely affects the lives of others. But that's an excellent question. Excellent. someone you don't compel them to love you back or because it's not love no more and that's like I, I forgot what kind of rule he said but it's yeah. like a, a higher rule of like a, either morality or not fluent in philosophy <laughs> yeah for real. not on that level but 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 it, but this love um go the thing is god will never um compel you to love or take he loves you so much that he will not um, cross that line to uh, uh, to interfere with your choice to love him back. Mm-hmm. And that same, if, if he won't interfere or compel you to love him back so much that he wants you to, uh, that same free will is given to those um, who choose to take advantage of that to not love them back yeah exactly like um and i don't know if that makes sense or or i can uh like i think refer yeah it's 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 you know if if we want god to control all the evil people right that means god has to control all of us and if god controls all of us then real love between us and god cannot exist and another concept is, is, is like, why doesn't God just erase all the evil in the world? That question really comes, the answer comes down to us where, where, where it's like, well, who's causing all the evil? <laughs> people are causing all the evil, so God would have to erase people, right? And, and then another way of even looking at that, if he created two people in the world and saw that sin was entered, it's so easy to start over yep. and to say it's done. Yep. But no, he loved people, human beings made in his image so much that he chose to, no, I'm not going to erase you. I'm not going to start over or whatever. I love you so much that I'm going to fix it for you. Yeah. And um, that mercy and, yeah, mercy and grace, and that's just how, uh, uh, how much love that he has for us. It's like your kids. You're not gonna when they don't listen to you. You're not gonna go drop them off at Walmart. It's 
<laughs> Vanessa's done it a couple times. shared it here before but when when I when asked the same question he gave this example of a man uh, who lived out in the country and he had a neighbor nearby and he had a horse and his horse ran away and his neighbor was like hey man you must have really bad luck that your horse ran away and then the guy's like uh, good luck bad luck I really don't know don't know anything about that and then, a couple days later, the horse comes back with like, I'm just gonna say five other wild horses. So now he has a total of six horses that are his. And then the neighbor comes back, he's like, wow, man, you got six horses, you must have really good luck. And he's like, good luck, bad luck, I don't know anything about that. So the man's son goes out to care for some of the wild, wild horses. And, and in doing so, one of the wild horses kicks his son and breaks his legs. The neighbor comes back and he's like, man, you, got, you must have bad luck with your son with broken legs. And then the guy's like, good luck, bad luck, I really don't know, don't, don't know anything about that. Uh, there, a couple days later, a, a guerrilla army comes into his property looking for people to recruit into this guerrilla army. The man is too old and his son has broken legs and he can't, they can't steal his son to be a part of the army. The neighbor's like, man, you got good luck. <laughs> good luck, bad luck. I don't know anything about that. And the idea of the story is this, that in these bad things that happen, we don't know the good that comes from it. It, it is, and we, ha we also have to remember that God's thoughts, the word says that God's thoughts are not on our level. God's thoughts are so beyond us. And God being outside of time, he sees the beginning and he sees the end. He sees the outcome. And, uh, and, and us being a part of it, we, we can't, it's like us watching a movie and it's like we know something that the characters in the movie don't know. And we're like, man, he, like, we, we know, but in the movie, the characters don't know what's happening because we're outside of that. But God being outside of time is able to look down and see the things that are going to happen and, and, and obviously allow the things. And let me emphasize this. The promises for us as Christians, I can't speak for those who are not covered by God's grace, by God's mercy, who are not submitted to God. I can't speak for that kind of suffering and what kind of good may come from that. But for us, as Christians, our suffering is never in vain. And maybe a better question than God, why are you allowing me to suffer? Maybe a better question is God, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish in me through this suffering? So I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Um, any thoughts, guys? Yes. 
online crew. Man, we miss you guys. Come back now. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We want you guys to be blessed. I'm gonna fix this microphone thing for the for the Zoom because we have a microphone up there, and we are recording it. We are we are recording. So if you want to listen back to it, I'm gonna send out the link to um to everybody in the refuge, just so you can listen back to it in case uh you know uh, just in case you want to listen back to it. So. All right. Okay, guys. Well, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your goodness, for, for all of your grace, for all of your mercy, Lord God. Um, thank you, God, that you, that you are a God who never changes, that you are a God who is all-knowing and, and sees everything, and you are all-powerful, God, and you are everywhere. Lord, so, so nothing catches you by surprise. And I just pray that that would encourage our hearts tonight. I pray, Jesus, that, that you would strengthen us in our weakness. I pray, God, that, that tonight would be like a breath of fresh air to us, God. Like, like a runner who experiences a second wind during, during a run. Just a boost of energy to keep pursuing you, to keep going after you, to keep seeking after you, Father God, knowing that you are drawing us closer and closer to us. Help us to see and understand that you are working out all things for our good and for your glory, God. We choose to trust you tonight, and we just thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for everything that you're doing. I pray your blessing over every person who is connected to us, um, who is in this room right now, who's, who's connected with us on Zoom and who's connected with us on the podcast, God. I pray that you would bless them and keep them and hold them, God. I pray, God, that you would remind all of us, all of us, of just who you are, God. God, and just put a burden in our hearts for your word. Put a burden in our hearts, God, uh, just to spend time with you in prayer and in worship, God. Answer our prayers, God. You see the weight that we carry. You see the secret desires of our hearts, God. And I just pray that you would answer, answer our prayers according to your will, Father. We thank you, God. And we just thank you for the work that you're doing, Lord. We love you, Father. And uh, we just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you. You all are awesome. want to stay connected with us follow us on instagram at a2 refuge and join our text group text a2 refuge to 232-3992 again that's a2 refuge to 232-3992 thanks again for listening in hope to see you next week